Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection. With free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of Pro Shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also, check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. Hi, this is Parker Bone III, and you are listening to the Above180.com podcast with Joey Serrar and Tim Berg. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg and Joey Serrar are ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, from Washington, D.C. and the Bowler's Pro Shop in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here are your hosts, Tim Berg and Joey Serrar. Joining us tonight on the Above180.com podcast is Jason Sterner. Jason has one career title, and it's a staffer with Brunswick. For more on Jason, you can follow him on Twitter. His Twitter handle is Jason underscore Sterner. That's S-T-E-R-N-E-R. And Jason's also on Facebook, so you can look him up there as well. Uh, Jason has one career PBA title and was also, you'll probably remember from the summer swing, Jason finished fourth in the Bowler's Journal Scorpion Championship, losing to the winner Tom Doherty. And he also finished fifth in the Lucas Oil uh, Milwaukee Open, losing to Mike Fagan, 192 to 182. Jason, um, with all that, I want to thank you for joining us tonight. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, Jason, I thought it'd be great. We we chat to one of the uh, the uh, the younger folks on the PBA tour. You've you've been on the tour now since 2006, but um, I thought it'd be great because we have a lot of people who listen. And one of the the most asked questions I get, or I'll I'll be talking to folks, is how do I get on a staff? How how can I get sponsored by one of the major ball manufacturers out there? So oh, we know that yeah. you signed with um, you signed with Brunswick. We're, we're thinking it was around February or, or thereabouts. But just talk about that yeah. process for you and and how how it all uh, you know happened for you. Well, uh, for me, and I'm telling most of the kids coming up because I get that question a lot, you know, how can I get on staff and, and this, that, and the other. And I'm like, look, you know, to me, my opinion, uh, you got to throw whatever you have to throw in order to be successful. And there are so many brands out there that you may look better or have a, a different motion that fits your eye. And if you're keeping yourself from using it, you're hindering yourself from maybe possibly winning. So when I started off this season, I decided that, you know, I'm going to throw whatever I want to do or throw whatever I want to there is out there, you know, make a complete bag, you know, that I know in and out and trust and then go out there and see what happens. And it was just funny that, you know, I had all these options and I was with Brunswick a long time ago. Um, they came and found me and uh, I was with them for about nine years and it just got to a point where um my physical game wasn't very good, and the ball motion wasn't matching up to what I like to see. So I decided to take a step back and and throw a little bit of everything to find out what it was. And you know, in turn, I've learned a couple months after that it wasn't just ball reaction; it was more of my physical game as well. But so, anyways, going into the season, you know, I was like, well, I'm going to throw whatever I got to throw in order to be successful. So it was just funny that. When I get to Vegas, you know, I'm throwing everything, haven't drilled a Brunswick ball in a while, and it was like day four, didn't have any look, and I went up to Chuck, and I was like, hey, Chuck, you know, I saw Sean was 
throwing that new oar at the time, and it looked phenomenal. So I was like, can I, you know, would it be a big deal if I tried one of those? He's like, sure, buddy. Let's, uh, let's do it. So the next day, I come in there. I'm practicing. I pull it out. And, like, the first three shots, I threw one out the window. I threw one over my left foot. You know, I threw one under my legs. And they all were just ten back. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Uh, you give me this, and, you know, we going to have a chance. And it ends up that I make the show with that bowling ball that day. So it was it was nuts. And uh, But still keeping that in mind, you know, I told them I wanted to finish out the season and, you know, throw whatever I needed to throw that felt like I could win with. And when I get to Detroit and the same scenario kind of happens, you know, I'm throwing everything, doesn't really have a look. Some new Brunswick balls, that brawler came out, the ringer came out, went back to Chuck, and I was like, hey, you know, is there any chance I can get you know, those two, and he's like, sure, man, whatever you need. The next day, I come in there, same thing. Practicing with it, couldn't miss, make the show, and ended up winning with it. And I'm like, wow, you know, maybe this is a sign that uh, I need to get back to, to my roots. And, uh, you know, the next day, I got the call from them after it all went down, and they offered me something that I couldn't refuse, and I said, sure. But, you know, to me, getting on staff is all about winning. You know, if, if you if you're out there and you're having success, those those ball companies are going to come find you. You know, you don't have to go beat their door down. I mean, it it doesn't hurt when you feel like you're obligated or not obligated, but when you feel like you can ask for a few ball here and there, and then they hook you up. But you don't want to be hounding them. So I and I tell the kids, you know, throw whatever you got to throw to be successful. If you win with their stuff, then you'll probably get their attention, and it'll be a better route than you know hounding them because you get. 500,000 of those guys a day doing that, and I can promise you right now they're not getting anywhere because those guys, they're driving crazy. So that's kind of my opinion on getting on a staff, and and, and that's how it all worked out for me. Um, so I always tell the young kids, you know, that story and seems to be working you know, for them, but I mean, everybody kind of has their own little avenue, so you can get on staff many ways, but to me, that was always the one that was a for sure, you know, solid end. Well, Jason, uh, it's my turn to kind of pick your brain a little bit. I'd like to welcome you to our show. This is Joe Serrar. Uh right. How important to your game, now again, this is your game, is the uh -huh. visual that a ball creates. In other words, the visual motion shape down lane that you see is that more important to you than actually seeing the ball hook early or, or hook late, but, but the actual shape of the ball? Oh, absolutely. I, everybody's got a certain shape that they like to see that it catches their eye. And if you, uh, you know, everybody wants to have that sideways motion. You know, we all want to see the ball go 40 feet and go left, but not everybody is able to make that work. There are only a few people I know on this planet that can that are very successful doing that but ball motion is a big deal because it affects your execution like if you if you're if you're bowling well a lot of times you know you're making good shots but you have good ball motion which is allowing you to be relaxed and comfortable and repeat shots well enough that even when you make those marginal shots you're still hitting the pocket you know you're still minimizing your your splits and things like that but when you have ball motion that you can't get it there, all of a sudden your physical game tries to make it happen. And then the next thing you know, you know, you're trying to knock the teeth out of it or, you know, you're trying to use speed and you're 
not able to repeat it, and you're causing yourself mistake after mistake after mistake. So it's it's a huge huge deal to see to have a ball that fits your eye and and go off of that because your physical game will try to make it work if it does not. I mean that's you can't out bowl bad ball reaction. You know, right now. And now, Jason, when you won that title, the Don Carter Classic in Detroit uh-huh. this season, your ball was not going sideways coming off the pattern. I mean, uh-huh. it was a heavy roll. I mean, obviously, as the, the tournament wore on and the game wore on, you kind of opened up that pattern a little bit. But yeah. was that a visual that you typically enjoy seeing or, or oh, not? Absolutely. Uh, that's that's kind of my ball motion. That's how I like to see the lane. That's, you know, has a lot to do with my roll. You know, I have a lot of forward rolls. I can get around the side of it, you know, pretty well, but that's not really the game that I like to to see. You know, I like to use that stable roll so I can use different surfaces and be further right than everybody, especially when you're bowling on a bunch of oil so you have a better angle through the pin when you get to the pocket instead of trying to be so far left and you know, you're losing angle through the pins. I mean, it's 50 feet. So if you're trying to make the ball hook in five feet to get through the pins, it's, it's almost impossible. But being able to use the role that I like to see, I was able to stay right of everybody and have a better angle through the pins. I think that's why I carried better that day. And that's why I carry better on most of those patterns like that that are longer because I have the ball roll that allows me to do it. So, Jason, um, let's go back to – let's talk about the summer swing – and then uh, also talk a little bit about some of the other stuff you've done over the summer. You bowled a summer swing. You had a, a fourth place and a fifth place finish. Uh, nothing to hang your head in there as, as uh, end up in Milwaukee. And then you bowled the Proprietors Cup where you finished sixth, which we were talking about. That's a, a great tournament, and, and uh, Billy and his guys do a great job of running that again for the second year in a row. And then the U.S. Uh-huh. Open. Now, let's talk about what you saw at the U.S. Open. And, and what you think maybe in hindsight, if you had to bowl on something again, because we all know that's a very de- demanding lane condition and something that a lot of guys struggled on. But what, what did you see up there, and, and how was your look? The U.S. Open was uh, it was tough. I mean, it's, it's the hardest term of the year. What I saw, to me, I struggled a lot the first day because my execution was not 100%. It wasn't exactly to my liking. It wasn't terrible, but I could – field my game slipping in and out in and out and a lot of it had to do with the extra friction you know the the two feet short of uh oil that we had versus the last couple of years and those buildings had a lot more build up or uh, had more friction through the middle part of the lane so with it being the open and you having to play in the middle part of the lane and you're short two feet like you had to use ball speed it seemed like and work the side of the ball a lot um, the first day I tried to use the, my more typical end-over-end roll, and I was just completely lost. Ball reaction, shot-making was atrocious. I mean, it was I couldn't even duplicate shots if I wanted to. And uh, what, it, what it seemed like to me is if you could use a little bit of speed and you could get your hand around the side of it, you could almost play like a fallback. And normally in previous years for the U.S. Open, for me, I've had to – you know, either spin it or, you know, use a lot of angle and be really, uh, really precise with my speed. But it seemed like for whatever reason, uh, this year, if you could use a little bit more speed and side rotation, you could just kind of play fallback and lock it up at the pocket. And if you had the right ball in your hand, you could just 
you know, keep shoveling it in there. But, you know, when I watched a lot of the guys that did very well, that's kind of what I saw. And so the next day after I struggled, that's kind of what I decided to try to do and bowled a whole lot better. I bowled 80 over, and then I get to the next building with the same game plan, just don't throw it right at the three pin, use speed, uh, spin it, or use surface to slow it down, whatever I needed to do, and bowled 50 or 60 over and had a couple of good opportunities to bowl some big 260 games just, you know, open in the tenth, and, you know, that kind of sucked because I didn't really give myself a chance to get in the last day, but I think the first day overall shot myself in the foot, and it was kind of hard to rebound from 70 under. But that's what I saw this year versus the last couple of years. You know, so if you had a little trick with speed or with our side roll, you could get away with it. But if you didn't, it was horrible, just horrible. So, and that's what I thought the first day it seemed like. I didn't think it was so much as execution as I did until I bowled the next two days and just changed my game plan. And then I was like, well, maybe I didn't throw it as bad as I thought I did. I just didn't attack it correctly. So, and that happens a lot of times. You know, you just, your body tells you one thing, you're seeing another, and next thing you know, you're just, you're lost and can't dig yourself out of the grave. But, you know, the next day it was over, clear head. And try to do something different, and it worked out. So that's so, so what Jason, I saw this year. Right. So, Jason, I have a kind of a follow-up question that you kind of led me into. Uh, you finished 36th place, I believe, in the U.S. Open. Is that correct? Yeah. Has your uh, game, yeah. right? Has your game and career and expectations progressed to the point that that was dissatisfying to finish 36? Or were yeah. you still pleased to finish 36th? Um, it was dissatisfying. Uh, and I tell you what, I haven't bowled good. At, I don't even think I've made the cut at the Open in the last three years. So it was very satisfying to make the cut, but it was disappointing to bowl that bad the first day. I was happy that I was able to dig myself back in and didn't give up and got to 36, but I really was hoping to go in there and make the top 24 based on how the year had been going up to that point. But the biggest thing for me was making the – I was in the top – I think I was 12th or 13th going in, so I knew that I needed a good showing because I wanted to make the Japan Cup. So the, the U.S. Open really was more about making the Japan Cup than it was – I mean, obviously I wanted to, to win that tournament and do well, but I wanted to bowl well so I could keep myself in the Japan Cup point. And – uh so it was gratifying to start off as terrible as I did and get to 36 to keep myself in the Japan Cup, but it it really was terrible that I bowled that bad. You know, you always want to make at least the last cut to give yourself an opportunity at the end of the day to win. However, that didn't happen. But you you have bad tournaments. You got to move on and learn to deal with them. Again, so I was happy that. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was just going to reintroduce that. Again, joining us is, is Jason Sterner here. So, Jason, you know, you're 29 years old, and, uh-huh. and you've been bowling your, in what we probably could say is you're in the, you know, the middle part of your career. You're in the prime of your career. 
and just probably to hear yourself say it that you know 36 at the u.s open you know how many bowlers did you beat here as you know we pull it up quickly over you know what 260 bowlers bowled the tournament and and you finished 36 and yeah you could probably go back and bowl the first day and make 24 which match play is probably as as a pba guy that's probably your ultimate goal is to get the match play because then you know anything can happen but did you ever think when you you know when you were bowling when you started out bowling that you would get to the point of where you thought, wow, you know, 36, I can do a lot better, and next year I'm going to be in that top 24. Uh, yeah, it, it kind of all started, you know, two years ago when I, I made a major swing change, and it's been a long process, you know, leading up to this. But this year was when really everything kind of, you know, set in, set in stone, and I was able to just go out there and be successful and make it the first two shows well, the first show gave me the confidence that made me believe, like, hey, you know, I can do this. You know, I can be one of those top elite players, and I have every right to, to win. So when I go into a tournament, I think I can win is just as much as the other guys that show up. But it was, uh, it, it's funny how things have changed. My mindset a couple of years ago would have been, oh, I'm just, I'm just happy I made the cut. You know, I'm just glad I'm bowling tomorrow. And now it's like, oh my God, how did I bowl so bad? I finished 36. Like that's just terrible. Like it's funny how things change, but I feel like you have to keep pushing yourself to get better. I mean, that's the only way you're going to get ahead. So if I'm not that hard on myself, then I feel like I'm not doing myself justice. You know, so, Jason. You know, speaking of getting better, and I'm looking at your PBA stats, and in your first three seasons on tour, and I believe you were around 23 when you went out on tour. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think you, so. 20, yeah. So you cashed in 22, you know, no, 21 of your first 22 tournaments. That's insanely good. <laughs> Yet, yeah, you, you made no TV shows, naturally, and you made some match play yeah. after your first two years. And yeah. then I look at your first six years, and you know you averaged well. You, you had some good winnings, but not one TV show yet. This past season, 2012, 2013, you make you know six match plays and three TV finals. What changed in your game, either mentally or physically? Um, it was a little bit of both, actually. Um, the first three years, um, I made it out there with a game that I had, or that I had always had for you know, how long I had thrown it like that and met a guy or a friend of mine that is now my swing coach. And every year, the first three years, I would come home and he would kind of help me put me back together. He would never really say anything. He would just be like, all right, you know, these are the things you got to fix in order to keep doing what you're doing. And I think after the third year, I came home just disgusted and just irritated and wasn't satisfied. And, you know, same kind of process we get back into it, start working on it. I get it to where I liked it. And he came in one day, and I'm bowling. I was like, well, how does it look? And he's like, you want me to be honest? I was like, yeah. He's like, it's terrible. I was like, it's terrible? <laughs> he's like, yeah, it's, it's pretty awful. And I was like, what? He's like, Do you, it could be better. I was like, it can. And I was like, well, how? And no, no, hold, hold on, Jay. Hold on, Jay. You're saying terrible. Did it feel good to you, or did it feel horrible yeah. to you as well? No, it felt awesome. Like, I had won four or five regional titles. You know, I, I'd had three, you know, like you said, pretty solid years where I cashed, uh, made some match plays, uh, 
I finished seven at the uh, Masters. You know, I thought it was pretty good. And here he is basically telling me it's garbage. And I'm like, wow, are you serious? And he's like, yeah, dude. Um, he's like, let me show you why. And up until this point, I had never really, I mean, I'd watched myself bowl on film, but I didn't really know what I was looking at. And I'm just watching me throw shots. I'm like, I don't know. You know, it, it looks good. It feels good. But if you do anything long enough, you can make it feel good physically. Whether it is or not, your body will get good enough to make that feel good. Right, sure. And so we looked at some videos, and he starts telling me what I'm doing and showing me, and I'm like, wow. I was like, okay, I see what you're saying, but you still kind of have doubt. You know, up until this point, you know, I've, I've been pretty successful, but, you know, all right, so I'm going to trust this guy because I feel like, you know, there's really nobody at the time that's, really helping me and you know it's one of those shots you take in the dark and we start working on it and it just so happened that he got laid off that summer so we had three months where we did nothing but go bowl for six hours a day for three months grooving everything getting my swing in line getting everything toned down you know this fix that i mean it was one of those things where you had to fix one or two things in the beginning before you can even get to the other things that were going on at the end. Like at that point, I didn't really have a slide. It was more of a plant. You know, I was really, I used a lot of my shoulders. I used to use a lot of muscle in my swings to generate so much power. And all these were things that you cannot duplicate in a pressure situation. You know, you watch Pete and those guys and it's just effortless. It's just boom, repeat, repeat. And it's, they make it look so easy. And after after he explained it to me and I started to feel it myself, it started to make sense. You know, less is more, a whole lot more in this game than it is, you know, now. Back then, back then you really had to be super core dominant to make the ball do anything. Back when there was urethane balls and stuff, now with the reactors, you don't really need a whole lot to make it go sideways. So, so you know, so, me trying so to overhack. Are, are you kind of saying you need to be – Loose and aggressive at the same time, but, you know, still focus and be determined, but not try and make perfect shots? Yeah, well, it, it all, it, his, his logic was this, is that, you know, we, we can only make you throw it so good, but when you're throwing it that good and you make marginal shots, you still have the chance to strike. It's not making your good shots better, it's making your bad shots better so that you minimize your mistakes and, you know, toning everything down and getting in control. You know, I lost a little bit of my power, but I gained it more in timing and finesse at the end. I can control, I can, you know, play with my rev rates. I can use my different ball speeds. You know, I could play to the right. I could play to the left. And, you know, when I was out on the tour my first three years, I was really kind of one dimensional. I could do one or two things and I did them very well. But when those weren't there, I bowled horrible. I was nowhere to be found. I had no chance to win doing that. So it was kind of like starting all the way over again to build myself back up. So that kind of led, everything was kind of leading up those last two years, year four and five, going into this year when everything just kind of exploded. So that was the physical side of it. And the mental side of it was, you know, I had a conversation with uh, Matt Freiberg, which is, uh, the guy that works for Extra Frame, or one of them. And uh, we were talking one night, and he just told me some things that I needed to hear as a bowler, basically just saying, like, hey, dude, like, you know you're good, right? 
you, you can win. You know this. And, you know, it's just one of those things where you always tell yourself, yeah, 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 I can do that. Sure. Yeah, I want to win. He's like, dude, you need to know it. Like, you deserve to win just as much as any of these guys out here. And then, it, you know, it just kind of sparked something in my brain, you know, just made me, he's like, you got to believe it. So, like, that whole next day that I go bowl the World Series and I put that bowling ball in my hand and, you know, I can't miss, that's what I told myself. Like, every shot that I would set up, you know, I had two or three things that I would think of in my brain, and then I would just say, just believe it, dude. This, this can happen. And then all of a sudden, you get there, and it's well, that's the last shot. It, it was the best situation that could have ever happened for me, or for any bowler, for that matter, is down to the last frame, you got to throw a double, you got to, you know, whatever, you got to perform under pressure with everybody watching and it's, and you got to go. And this is make or break. And it was one of those moments where you either walk through the door or you keep struggling for, you know, over and over and over again. And that was the moment for me is when it all kind of came into, into focus. And I got up there and made the three best shots of my life because it was just, the confidence to believe that I could do it. And that's what it really came down to. So, so, so uh, Jason, you have some time now. The The World Series starts end of October. What exactly you're doing the regionals down there? But I know myself, I've been to all different parts of the country, lived in different parts of the country. Joe is up in the Midwest. So we both kind of have a pretty good grasp of what, what bowlers can find in the Midwest. And now I'm out West and, and I was out East before, but what helped, Help us get kind of a, and, and the, also the other listeners of Above180.com, what can people bowl down in the southeast? Because you guys, you know, there's some good tournaments down there aside from the regionals, and you guys have some pretty good players. Yeah, I mean, I, I always felt like the, the south and the, I believe it's the central, always had the, the biggest caliber of, of players. And they had 30-something tournaments a year. I mean, it was crazy. So you could bowl something three times a month, you know, and, and learn and that was really what it was about for me in the beginning. And plus you had all those national guys like uh, Tommy would come out. Uh, you'd see Walter Ray a lot. Um, I remember a few of the other guys. Jason Hurd, he was born a lot. Richie Allen, you know, all these guys that you have been, or I have been seeing for, for the longest time on TV. I'm like, man, you know, I get to rub elbows with these dudes. And, you know, those are always guys that, you know, you want to beat because... You know, they're doing something that you're not, obviously. So it was it was really cool when I first started bowling regionals to the bowl against those guys, you know, head to head. And you know, that's always been motivation for me. If you wanna get better you gotta compete against people that are better than you. And that's the only way. But um, it seems like the South always has huge tournaments, big action things. Florida had them for a long time. Um, used to have 10, I think 10 regionals down in Florida when I first started tour. Um, it was just nuts. It seemed like there was always something to mold for a lot of money, and you were always going to see those guys show up. So you knew you had to be on top of your game when you got there, or you were bowling for second. So you had no chance. Hey, Jason, I got a so, question for you. I just got a book in the mail from a guy who did a lot of research and background on action bowling back in the day with Carmen Salvino, Mark Roth, Johnny Petraglio. Mm-hmm. Is is there still action bowling down by you guys? You, you still able to do that after league, and you guys, guys have pot games, or is that pretty much gone the, the way of the past? That's, yeah, I don't ever see that anymore. I It's so cool hearing um, Richie Allen has told me a bunch of stories about 
you know, huge pockets back in the day when he was coming up. But I haven't seen him really in the last six years anywhere. I mean, you'll see a couple guys after a league that maybe bowl $20 pot games or something, but it, it's not anything huge. Um, you just don't really see that anymore. I know when I bowled, I want to say my first or second year on tour, every time we went up to New York, there was a bunch of action games going on that the, the guys would sneak off to on the, in their off days and go participate in. But other than that, I, I don't, I never see them anymore. I mean, I, they might still be going on, but not to my knowledge. Well, yeah, and they're probably not inviting you either. So, <laughs> no, it doesn't seem that way. But. Uh, Jason, Jason, I, I got a, a question for you because earlier in the show, our, our telecast, you you mentioned the name Chuck a couple times, yet you failed to mention his last name, which is Chuck Gardner. Oh. I, yeah. I exactly, and and Chuck Gardner is you know he's the brains of Brunswick out there on tour. And he's a great guy, and I mean, he's a funny guy too. But my question to you is, how instrumental is Chuck or you in choosing layouts for certain tournaments or patterns once you've bowled on the pattern, obviously, or in, yeah. in a new house? And the second part of the question, this is because I'm a ball guy, uh, do you currently tinker with spans and pitches, or is that a thing of the past? Once you've achieved, you know, a, a great feel, and you realize it's it's more you than it is, say, say the ball. Yeah, I um, I believe in that. I, I mean, I've had the same fan for the last six years. You know, I went to a guy that finally got me, you know, comfortable in what I had, and I mean, there were a few times where, like, if I was trying, to, and this is before I actually changed my game, which makes a whole lot of sense now. There were a few times where I was trying to do things that I was seeing other people do, and we decided that a, a fan change or a pitch change would help me do that. And it was one of those things where, like, it did, but then it kind of hindered me from doing what I did well. So I'm like, ah, just scrap that. That's, that's not what I want. And, you know, in turn later, once I realized that I had to fix my physical game to allow me to do those things properly, then the fan grip thing really didn't matter. You know, I think it's all about having those some, having the group that you have the most confidence in, because that that means everything. And as far as the layouts go, and Chuck, um, I've always had probably like one or two, maybe three or four generic layouts that I put on everything. I mean, unless I'm really looking for something specific, uh, just four layouts allow me to do everything I want to do. You know, I have one or two layouts that I put in just about everything to throw a ball because. I know with that layout what it does for me. So as soon as I throw the ball, I know right away where it's going to be, what it's capable of doing, and it kind of helps narrow out all those little variables instead of just trying to throw in darts up against the board hoping that you'll get a winning combination. But right. Chuck can, can, can you share with us what that layout is, Jay, or not? Uh, yeah. Um, I have basically a uh, like a pin above the bridge, which is probably a, uh, a five-inch pin for me with a hole in the axis um and then i have a, a pin down below the bridge with a hole down you know big hole or small hole depending on how quick i want the ball to stand up uh, and then i'll uh every once in a while i'll have like a six inch pin with no hole which is you know basically left of my middle finger for when i want the ball to just be super long and be kind of weak down lane and uh let's see what else and then there was a uh i used um a Rico drilling for a long time. That used to be one of my favorites. 
but uh, I haven't really seemed to need it much anymore. I don't. I think it's because my game kind of changed the last few years, and that shape really, I didn't really need it anymore. But I mean, they're standard drillings, I would say. But getting the surface and everything right on the ball, on what you're bowling, is really more important than the layout. I mean, to me, you know, matching up, you can you can drill just about anything, but if you can get the right surface on it, you can at least get it to the pocket. And then from that point, you can figure out, well, do I need to put spin up or do I need to kick it down? Do I need to make it stronger or weaker? You know, whatever the case may be. So Chuck, you know, knowing me, and we have a, a great relationship, so he's watched me kind of evolve over the last five years. He's, uh, I mean, he's, we've tried things in the past, and it either works or it doesn't work. And those that don't work, we just kind of scrap. And the ones that always work, you know, are the ones that he'll just, when I tell him how I bowled, how, he's like, how, you know, how to practice, how to practice session go. I'll tell him, well, these are the balls that look good. These are the layouts in them. He's, so if he has, you know, an opinion on what he thinks, he already knows right away, okay, he's, he's going to want to be one of these balls, and this is probably going to be the layout. And that's just kind of how it works. You know, it's, we try not to make it too complicated because, I don't want to have all these options and you got like 10 minutes of practice to get lined up and you're like going through all these balls and it's just, you're confusing yourself. Just make it simple. You know, once you get lined up, figure out how to get the 10 out, you know, from that point. Instead of trying to keep changing balls. Because you can, you can chase yourself for a long time. You can chase yourself. I've had many a blocks where I I spent most of the blocks going through bowling balls instead of trying to figure out where, what part of the lane I needed to be in and, and, and watch what the other guys are doing and, that are striking. So that's that's been frustrating, but you know it is what it is. Well, Jason, I want to thank you for joining us tonight. This has been very a, a very good and very fun conversation, and we hope what we could do is kind of educate some of the younger bowlers, the aspiring members, uh, people trying to get up to your level at the PBA there and how they can get there. And I, I thought you really did a great job of telling some great stories from from spending your whole summer in the in the in the uh, you know in the lanes uh, practicing six hours a day to to getting on staff because I know that's like we said earlier that's one of the questions we get and and there are ways mm-hmm. to do it and, and probably the easiest way to get someone's attention is like you said to be winning and and that's yeah. gonna get their that's gonna get all the companies to to see who this guy is when they see your name in the top five top five top eight top five top two top three every week yeah I mean that's that's a no-brainer for some for the the ball manufacturers. So right, so, so a message to many of our listeners: if you want to get on ball staff, I mean, it's pretty darn easy. You just need to win a PBA <laughs> tournament. That's it. You know, shoot shoot two ninety nine. You know, crush your opponent, <laughs> win that event, and I mean, they're pretty much going to come knocking on your door, and you're home free. Yeah, I mean, I, I like your chances. I like your chances. If, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, that's where, I mean, that's, that's the best way I would say that. To me, that's the only way it, it really works. You know, unless, unless you got somebody that's like a really good buddy. Like, you know, I know when I first went out there, Tommy would, Tommy and I were really good friends, and he would help me out. He would give me balls from time to time. But, you know, I knew realistically that I probably wasn't going to get on that staff without a resume. So, Are, are you talking to like, t- Tommy Hudson or Tommy Jones? Oh, uh, Tommy Jones. Tommy, Jones, Tommy Hudson yeah. is my my era. Oh no, uh, Tommy Jones. You know he was he was one of the guys coming up you that know, you saw on TV every week, and you're like, man, what does this guy do that nobody else does? And, uh, 
so we ended up becoming good friends and you know, I kind of picked his brain for a few years when I was out there. And uh, he helped me out, you know, gave me advice, gave me some balls from time to time, and it was very helpful. You know, that, that's part of it. Getting When you're getting out there, you know, you got to have that, those, that extra help that, you know, you're not normally going to get, especially when you're the new guy on the block. So it was, it was really cool that the guys kind of took, took me under their wing and kind of showed me the ropes. I mean, they were going to tell me everything because obviously I'm their competition, but it was good, you know, coming out to have that extra set of eyes that making sure I wasn't getting lost. Right, uh, and that kind of tells you a little bit about Tommy Jones' character. You know, even though you're competing against him, he's, uh-huh. you know, man enough and, and willing enough to help you improve your game and potentially take money out of his pocket. Absolutely. So that's why all the kids coming up today, you know, when they have questions or they want a little bit of advice, I take that five to ten extra minutes to, to give it back because, you know, that's what got me to that point as well. So I feel like it, it's what's needed. And you don't see that much anymore. Uh, but, you know, I can understand why. Well, you know, just like you said, you don't want to take money out of your pocket. But, you know, if you're not helping grow the sport either, it's, you're, you know, you're kind of cutting yourself short too. So. All right. Well, but. Jason, want to thank you for joining us. And good luck and good bowling. 